The Retirement Question, a new series from Christians in Sport with Graham Daniels. So today we're looking at the issue of retirement, a huge issue for elite athletes because they simply don't know who they are when they've been doing the same sport day after day after day in the public arena for years. Today's two are extremely different and you'll hear it loud and clear when you hear their voices to begin with. Chris Jones, hard forward rugby player from South Wales. He got into all kinds of trouble as a young man off the field with the police and on the field with being banned twice, believe it or not, for life. Faced real problems with injury and when he got to the end of his career, he was absolutely bereft. He had no idea where his life was going. Adam Pengilly, on the other hand, was a Winter Olympian. Skeleton was his specialism. So here's a guy who spent his life travelling around the world doing a sport which was slightly crazy and very dangerous. Adam, very English, if I may put it like that, as opposed to Chris's Welsh and mine. Uh, but here's the similarity at the end of their career. Adam didn't know who he was going to be when he stopped being an Olympian. So that's the thing. Whether you're a rugby player from Wales or a Winter Olympian from England, the same issues face you on retirement. So let's hear from Chris. What was it like retiring from rugby as a player? Was it hard? Very hard, yeah. It was... Uh, I remember... Um, you know, lots of people think the story is that I was banned for life a second time, so that meant I couldn't play rugby anymore. But actually, without going into the whole story, um, we sort of, uh, myself and a, a barrister friend of mine, actually fought the case for the second life ban, and um, eventually had it lifted. So then I thought, right, I'd come back and play. But I was sort of around about 30 years of age, and, um, and I was having back problems. And I remember, and I was struggled and struggled. Played a couple of games, and my I was taking painkillers by the ton to try and get me through games. And then I remember, I thinking, oh, this is no quality of life here at all. I'm not enjoying this at all. And um, I remember a Tuesday night training session on my own, where I went down to the field, run down to the field, and I decided to do a bit of interval running on the field. And I had to pull up. Uh, and my back was in agony and I stopped and I would push myself through all sorts of pain to train in and play in because I loved it but I thought no I can't go on this is it uh, I came home and broke my heart That's is that truth. right yeah yeah cried your heart out. yeah cried my heart out just that one that one night after the training session and thought that's it I am gone and um and and then I faced uh, you know the void of not having being able to play in a in a game that I loved, you know, um, with no way back, you know, no appeals uh, to the WIU or anything like that. There was no way back on us, um, and it was huge. Yeah. We talk about retirement and the stories as are captured in this podcast. You are always always the same the void mm. the hole the mm. gap who am i now mm. yeah 
Can you remember the process of, of how you worked through that? Uh, how you dealt with it? Yeah, well, I wasn't a Christian in those days. And so um, it really was, uh, to me, an unfillable void. Um, and I just, I tried, I attempted to fill it with um, all the nonsense I got up to, I suppose, the wild living, the wild lifestyles, um, the drinking and, um, and, and everything that goes with that, you know, which eventually led me um, to a Brecon police cell. Yeah. A lot of players will say they might not have ended up in a police cell, which I'll say again is in the first podcast of your coming to Christian faith. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people will say, I didn't get in trouble, but I drunk, mm. gambled. Mm. Gambling is big now, yeah. you know. For mm. what, what does it do? F fill the gap, dull the pain? What, what, yeah. what is that? Well, I suppose you, you, you try and fill the gap and mm. you try and dull the pain. Yeah, I, I couldn't put it better myself, really. Um, but but it doesn't it doesn't fulfill. It didn't for me anyway. Um, you know, it was the old stories of going out and uh, all the cavorting and messing about, and then waking up next morning, thinking, "Where am I? What have I done again?" And uh, you know, is there any meaning to any of this? I, I I had to try and find some meaning to my to my life. I couldn't. What was the time period between that night, yeah, failing the interval training, yeah, and finding a sense of purpose? What uh, was the time? Uh, probably about two or three years. Yeah, it's a just, long time. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I suppose I put a lot of wildness into extreme wildness into two or three years of living, and uh, but things were getting worse and worse, um, and and I really did it. You know, I'm pretty upbeat character, um, always have been. Um, but I hit some some lows during that time. I, I remember one time in particular where um, I had an afternoon off uh, work and, and I took my children really small and for a walk. Lovely summer's day up in the mountains, up in the Ronda, which I love. And I was so down. And, and I love my, my kids. And I saw them just playing around in the field, but oh, it was just such a, a dark, dark time, you know? And it was, yeah, it was difficult. And of course, um, that lasted maybe for the afternoon and in the evening, and I think I've got to get out. You know, I've got to, yeah, you know, see my mates and um, let's have a look what sort of, crack is going on mm. if you like mm. you know? yeah whoa you can hear chris's emotion in that can't you you see the experience don't you he's trying to fill the gap left by sport through experiences to plug that gap drinking while living and it's a two or three year window for that transition and you know for an elite sports person, it is a two to five year transition, uh, you'd say, to cope with who you are in retirement. Now, Adam, as we'll see, is a very different way of dealing with the change of retirement. And yet, 
as we'll find out, the fundamental themes of change and identity are the same. Let's listen to Adam. So Adam Pengilly, uh, university till 2000 in Birmingham, uh, is in the Winter Olympics in 2006, finishes eighth and indeed in 09 at the World Championships at Lake Placid, takes the silver, competes again in the 2010 Winter Olympics. And then, uh, pretty impressive really, where I'm sitting, uh, Adam is elected by fellow athletes to the International Olympic Committee Athletes Commission, so he's on the IOC. And then in 2011, which has had some controversial moments in recent years, uh, he joins the World Anti-Doping Agency. Uh, Adam has one more major role that he picks up in these years after retirement, which was 2012, uh, which is in 2014, he joins the board of the International Bobsleigh and Skeleton Federation. So in one sense, Adam retirement from the sport uh, in 2012, in another way, ongoing, significant ongoing relationships in sport. But I think we'll focus on the retirement uh, process. So you're really competing very regularly from graduating onwards. So 12-year window at least. Tell me about retirement. It's quite a big change. Mm. So the sports of bobsleigh, which I did first, and then skeleton, mainly skeleton, but they're winter sports, obviously, and we don't have a track in the UK. And so you spend most of October through to early, mid-March away. So there was a lot of travel. And then when that finished, that travel through those winter months reduced significantly. So that was one big change. Uh, so there's that lifestyle. Another big change was not racing and competing anymore. Another big change was my job effectively had, had, had finished. Uh, I was no longer an athlete. And so there was a whole mental thing to get my head through around there as well. So it, it was a real time of transition. Interesting listening to you answer that question because you've talked about schedules, really. You, you know, the schedule as an athlete, you were competing as an athlete. There was a time scale involved. There was a way from home. Um Presumably, there's also a, a social dynamic to this, the people that you'd have been training with, competing against. Was that a factor that was tricky in retirement or was it more the scheduling thing? I think my social life was very much around, at that stage when I retired in 2012, was very much around home uh, with my wife and family at church church family and uh, family mum and dad and sister so obviously I had friends from sliding who I would see day in day out when I was training in the summer and then live with day in night a day in day out throughout the winter so there was a change in terms of not seeing them those guys as much um, and and you know, some were acquaintances and some were good mates and we now sort of keep in touch. Not lots, but we do keep in touch. Um, but primarily my kind of social focus was more outside of the sport. And so um, it was more a scheduling change. What was the what was the toughest thing then? If you had to say nail the toughest thing in those in that twelve months 
when you stopped competing. Could you name what that was? I think for those 12 months and, and beyond those 12 months, the, the challenge is for as long as I can remember, you know, primary school, maybe even infant school, I just wanted to run and do sport. And I guess within that, without perhaps thinking it through, be identified as a sportsman, as an athlete. And uh, so then I ended up becoming an athlete. And so for as long as I could remember my whole life, I was an athlete or had wanted to be an athlete. And I'd spent 15 years doing it full time. So to stop being something that was not just a job, it was a joy, it was something I loved doing and something that was me uh, was a challenge. You know, it it's easy for, to think, well, part of what makes up Adam Pengilly has now gone. So that that's one of the, the difficulties. I think probably the difficulty when when I retired. You're a very measured answerer. You're a very measured person. So it, it's not so easy to hear any change of register in your voice. Sadness, equilibrium. Um, did you manage that identity change pretty smoothly? It sounds like you did. Or were there moments when it was tricky for you? I'm not sure. I I can't compare myself to what other how other people have handled it in terms of in their own emotions and in their own heart and feelings. I I think probably yes. I think I had the advantage of staying involved in sport in a very significant way administrationally and being part of initially London 2012 for for two and a half years um, and then in the year after when it was winding down on the board and the athlete committee there and that was fascinating and a great experience to be part of and obviously the IOC and then in, in bobsleigh um, so perhaps that made that that helped um, but I, I think compared with some people perhaps I did manage it a bit better because I know some that really struggle for years afterwards struggle with what their identity being an athlete. I guess one of my little measures might be if I see someone I've known who used to be an athlete on their LinkedIn or something like that, they might still say former athlete or Olympian or whatever. And there's probably a case to be said that they might still be identifying in that, that place today. So I, I used to professionally run a athlete transition program for a couple of two and a half years and an athlete transition program yeah so a program that was residential where people would fly in and stay and they we would give them skills training give them some education uh, give them work experience in in real life um, and some personal development and one of the things that I would try to do within that was talk to them about that part of your life is, is completed uh, and it's time to 
move on with something else now because they're very much wrapped up in a lot of them not all of them but most are very much wrapped up in this whole identity and therefore their whole value is placed on being an athlete and if that then goes quite a few feel that they can offer nothing to society and they're quite lost do you think your christian faith had any bearing on this identity issue as you transitioned out of elite sport after 15 years absolutely in what ways my identity yeah, yes i was an athlete i loved being an athlete it was something i'd wanted to do and it was a real privilege but i i didn't i identified in it as a a job and a, a job and a role more than a job it was something i loved doing but it was what i was at, at a stage in my life but what i am at my core in my heart is one of god's children and a christian so with my identity there in that way it wouldn't matter when i was competing if i was a multiple gold medalist or i didn't make an international team my identity in jesus was unchanging and was secure uh, which is completely different to an identity as an athlete because i if my identity was in, as an athlete and and sometimes it drifted into that um if i'd had a great day yay everything's good if i'd had a bad day everything was a nightmare but even when i had had a great day that joy or happiness of that great day it it was over within a few days um and so it wasn't lasting and and it's never good all the time when you're an athlete there's one or two people that that might be the case with every generation but uh, even then they'll always be looking for the next thing so chris jones and adam pengilly two retired athletes both of them 12 13 years that every room they walked into they would be chris jones rugby player adam pengilly olympian And then all of a sudden they walk into a room and they are didn't you used to be Adam Pengilly the number of elite athletes who tell that story that somebody says to you oh didn't you used to be and you want to scream out no I didn't used to be anyone I'm me every athlete goes through this if you've retired you understand it if you haven't yet retired get ready for it and the heart of the christians in sport podcast of course is to say that ultimately none of us are to be defined fundamentally by the job we do whether you're an elite athlete or a school teacher or somebody who works in the bank that isn't what defines you they're your gifts that's your vocation they're your talents who you are is somebody who belongs to god because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you have access to a brand new relationship with the father and creator who made you that's who you are a child of god who happens to be good at 
rugby or skeleton. That's the heart of the identity issue. Do you know you belong to God as his child first and foremost and that every other thing you do is an outworking of who you really are? That's what we're trying to get at in this Christians in Sport podcast. Well, great. Thanks for joining us again on the Christians in Sport podcast. By the way, you can find all of the episodes from the last few years on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Just search for Christians in Sport. You can also hear, in particular, the interviews with Chris and Adam about their playing careers. And there are many more with top-level athletes as they discuss their sport and their faith. Hey, one favour... Would you mind leaving a review on iTunes if you listen to the podcast because it just helps us to get more people listening? Thanks, that would be kind of you. Uh, And finally, if you're an athlete at this level, why not get in touch with us at christiansinsport.org.uk? We'd love to hear from you and support you. Hey, see you next time. Go well. The Retirement Question, a new series from Christians in Sport with Graham Daniels.